How does British Parliament work remotely? An insider tells us next on Remote Space. Hello? Uh, yeah, right. I'm sending that over in an hour. The meeting today? Another one? Hold on one sec. Enough! (laughs) Working from home not as much fun as you imagined? Remote Space explores the tools and philosophies we use as we work more remotely. We'll talk to experts who have mastered remote work, those studying the shift in how we work, and those learning on the run. Here's your host, Doug Thomas. Government is an essential, and almost overnight countries like the United Kingdom had to figure out how to become more digital. A lot of that effort fell onto the offices of the Director General of the House of Commons. Our guest, Winnie King, has worked for over a decade as the personal assistant to the Director General and supports many assistants. I talked to Winnie from her London area home. Winnie, uh, Americans have this fondness for British life, fascinating with the royal family to these knockout ratings for TV shows like Downton Abbey and the, and the Queen. Can you tell me something that you love to witness in this world of the British Parliament? So I've worked for um, the Houses of Parliament for 11 and a half years now. So I've seen four general elections in the making and helped participate in terms of inducting MPs, members of parliament. We also have the state opening of parliament. So when we have a new parliamentary session, the Queen opens parliament. And that is the one time that the Queen comes to our building and we get to see her in person, uh, which is absolutely amazing. So I I try and take part any way that I can uh, when she comes and sees us. She doesn't bring the dogs, though, correct? No, she doesn't. (laughs) I want to go back a year and talk about what does a personal assistant to the Director General of the House of Commons do? That's a good question. He has recently changed his portfolio, but going back 12 months, I would usually describe him as the chief executive of the House of Commons. So he's responsible for running the House service. So building projects on site because we have over 13 buildings that form the parliamentary estate. So it isn't just the Palace of Westminster itself. All the services that we run in terms of catering, security, all the on-site facilities that we provide um, members of, of both houses, Ian does specifically look after the common side. The Palace of Westminster is one building, but it is split into uh, the House of Commons and the House of Lords. And you do see a a clear divide in terms of the carpet. Um, That's usually your indication of when you've stepped over into House of Lords territory. The carpet? Yes, the carpet. So, okay, so which, which side of the carpet looks better? Oh, I can't say. That would be being biased. They are both grand in their own way. (laughs) I, you know, of all the things I thought we might talk today, carpet was was definitely not on the list. (laughs) And then you said the portfolios change. How's that changed in the last year? So recently, Ian, the Director General, he's retained his title as Director General, but he looks after our Commons estate portfolio. So a group of buildings in our northern estate, which is Commons owned, transforming digital, which is a a really big thing for Parliament. Uh, Obviously, during the pandemic, this has been a a real test for us in terms of technology um, and being virtual. 
And the other area is security. So we have uh, a lot of security officers on the estate that obviously keep us safe. And that comes under his portfolio as well. And as his personal assistant, you're, you have specific duties or part of your duties is just what needs to get done gets done? Yeah, my predominant task for Ian is his diary, which can start from as early as eight o'clock in the morning, going up to seven in the evening. I think my uh, record number of meetings that I've got in one day was, oh, 15 meetings, Yikes! which I don't like doing, but sometimes it has to be done. And I think in this virtual world of, of working from home, it can be easily done uh, because he doesn't have that travel time in between if he's, you know, if the meetings aren't specifically in his office. I was reflecting on this earlier in terms of, you know, having that travel time in the diary gives him time to breathe and thinking time as well in between meetings, which at the moment he, he doesn't get. So I do try and carve out kind of time throughout the day, make sure that he gets a break. I think one specific example was last Thursday. He, he literally did half seven till half seven. And he was relying on his wife and daughter to get him food and, and coffee throughout the day. And, and for me, I felt really sad because that's usually what I would do if we were in the office. Right. So that's part of the this is a very hands on job that now is totally or very much virtual. So a couple of things I want to unpack there. One about so you schedule breaks so he can have them in the schedule so no one else can fill those up. Is there any other thing that you've done? Uh, do meetings start earlier or later? Is there grace periods now? Or I mean, because this is not just him, it's everyone. And you know, a lot of people in the House of Commons and the House of Lords is dealing with this type of scheduling, correct? Yes. And everybody has different working patterns. So as a PA, I am very conscious of different people's working patterns. So there are some of his direct reports that are early risers. Um, Ian is an early riser. He thinks uh, and he does things early in the morning. So we do have managers, senior leaders that prefer early meetings. So when I know that they do, then I'll schedule them first thing in the morning. Um, And then you've got those colleagues that don't like mornings that much. So we tend to schedule them in the afternoon or or post 10 o'clock. Since you're scheduling these meetings or sitting, maybe sitting in on them, how's everyone doing months into this, you know, just getting the computer and the camera up and running and being able to meet? I think it's had different effects on different people. I am chair of the Parliamentary Admin Support Network for the Commons, Lords and our digital services. And we do get mixed responses. So some people, you know, really enjoy working from home, wish they could work from home, you know, for the foreseeable future. And then you get those like myself where I would be happy doing a mixture. So I really miss the office environment. I miss being in Parliament, um, miss being around, you know, the people that I worked with uh, on a regular basis because I'm very much a people's person. So I thrive off, you know, seeing people, being around people you know, in and out of Ian's office if I, you know, need to do something for him or just asking him a question and all those little things that I'm not able to do. So for me personally, it's been quite challenging and hard to deal with emotionally because I'm just so used to physically being in the office. And then you get 
those team members or colleagues across Parliament that actually haven't had a choice and have had to be on the estate because Parliament has carried on running post 24th of March when we started our first lockdown. So they didn't have that option of being able to work from home um, because of their jobs. Um, for example, our security officers, the catering staff that you know have to be on the estate to provide a catering service for our members of parliament. So when dealing, as you said, sharing this, this support network for parliamentary administrative assistance, it's just not everyone's in the same soup. You have people that are going through withdrawal. And I, I would say I'm in the same boat with you. I miss, I'm a people person and miss that connection. At the same time, you have people that maybe don't miss that connection, but are forced to be in that environment that they may feel unsafe or unwell. So there's emotions on both sides that I, I assume you hear about being the chair. Yes, no, definitely. And it's really interesting to you know hear people's different views. And um, we recently did a staff survey to look at you know, how people were feeling at this moment in time. So we did one earlier in the year when we started lockdown and we've done one this month, which I haven't been able to read the actual details of. But it, yeah, it's really interesting. And and the network itself, you know, I provide a safe space for our assistants and support staff to, you know, air their views and, and just offload on how they, they are feeling. And how are they feeling, Winnie? A mixture. <laughs> so a good mixture. You know, I've tried to be a real support for them in terms of making sure that we have regular network meetings, inviting external speakers. You know, my passion is the personal development for our assistants, making sure we're up to date with what we need to know, especially around teams. So um, last week we had an EA from Microsoft in Reading come and talk to the network and tell us about her you know, experiences and, and give us top tips within Teams and OneNote. So, you know, I was really excited about that. And it was good to connect with an, uh, an EA from outside of the organization just to touch base on, you know, how she was feeling and how she's been dealing with the pandemic. When you were the chair before the pandemic, besides meetings that would, I assume, have to be online and emails and communications, how else did that group get together? Were there events where you were able to be around each other? So usually prior to the pandemic, all our events were in person. So uh, we would book a meeting room and yeah, on average, about 20 of us, we'd invite an ex- uh, either an external speaker or an internal speaker. So I'm picking my way through uh, our management boards and inviting our senior leaders to come and talk to us about their career paths and just providing that connection between support staff and, and senior senior leaders. But one thing that I was very conscious was because our support staff are scattered around different parts of the estate uh, and people finding it kind of hard to travel, even, you know, a 15 minute walk, I would always provide a means of dialing into the meeting. So I would use uh, a portable speaker and connect it up. So prior to Teams, we were doing it via Skype. So I always provided that option just because I was conscious, you know, that um, others wouldn't have the time to walk over to a specific meeting room. So, yeah, the transition from what I was doing before to now obviously being fully virtual wasn't that difficult, but it's nice to obviously be in that physical environment and actually see colleagues in person and catch up with people. Yeah. And you said yesterday you were at the office, so to speak, but it's a much different office. How was that experience? 
Yes. So a lot less people, obviously. You know, we haven't got the full complement of staff, so it is the bare minimum to support the members of parliament that are working. It was quite a particular busy day for me. We had our new director of security come in to get some reading materials prior to her start date uh, in a few weeks. So I was actually showing her around, giving her a little tour of the palace, helping her find her way to different meetings because she was meeting with uh, various people, colleagues throughout the afternoon. And that for me felt quite normal. It felt really good because that was, you know, something that I would usually do. And everybody seemed more grateful than they usually would because I deliberately went into the office to be able to do this, but I was more than willing to do it. But it helps me with my mental health as well, just being able to touch base and and being, you know, in the palace, being in my office. And it was nice to just see, you know, the odd colleague that I would usually see when I'm there full time. Yeah, I've I've been back a couple times, and and again, anyone that you see there, it seems again more earnest and more welcoming, if, even from a distance. Other parts of the hallways and you know things on the wall almost seem to me like it's a bit of a time travel movie that I've walked into a certain area and and, and things seem uh, out of place because that was a different part of the world. Where I'm in a modern office building, a lot of Parliament is dealing with trying to have this traditional environment. Does it seem timeless there, even through this pandemic, that that is not normal to have the normal everyday life inside those buildings? So we have a mixture because we have so many different buildings. We've got a good mixture of modern buildings with modern workstations. But when you're in the Palace of Westminster, it is like traveling back in time. And one thing that I like to do if I am working on the estate is actually just have a walk around just to remind myself, you know, this is where I work and admire, you know, the the walls, the the wallpaper, the carpet, the lighting, the, the, the paintings that are on the wall and the general, you know, architecture that is so historic um, and hundreds of years old. So I, I do like to do that when I'm on the estate. And there are parts of the palace that do actually remind you of Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's one specific corridor when we were able to take guests prior to the pandemic, we would walk down a particular corridor and, and they would say, oh, it, does, it feels like uh, being in Hogwarts down this corridor. <laughs> Well, uh, hopefully they never sponsor a ha- the House of Commons is now the House of Gryffindor that day or something like that. That'd be that'd be. <laughs> As you said, you've uh, the portfolio has taken on the digital world. When the pandemic started in March, I, I got to think that besides people skills, there's probably amount of hardware too that people need to get in and get adjusted as everyone started working from home. Did your office uh, work on that also? Yeah, so we made sure that everybody had equipment in order to work from home. So if we needed extra monitors, uh, they would be delivered to our home address. We moved away from having desktop uh, computers to uh, everybody having laptops to make it more portable and enable people to work from home better. So we all have our own laptops making sure everybody had headsets, you know, preparing ourselves for all these virtual meetings, you know, even things like making sure we had the right cables at home 
So the you know our digital team worked so so hard making sure that colleagues were able to work from home, and you know they've done an amazing job. But also in terms of you know hybrid meetings and the Commons and Lords Chamber operating in a hybrid system as well. So you know installing screens in both chambers so that you can see MPs and peers dialing in virtually and still being able to participate. So we did a lot of work digitally and uh, yeah, with with technology and really learning hard, you know, how to use Teams, you know, how do we support staff, colleagues, members, peers in, in using the software alongside the technology. But I think, you know, we've done really, really well and a good example that I was part of uh, recently were hybrid interviews for the director of security post because we had a mixture of the interview panel were either in person or dialing in virtually and the interviewees themselves were coming onto the estate in person. There was also a staff engagement panel of eight members of staff from from different teams who dialed in virtually so yeah, setting up the logistics for that and having like separate laptops for the engagement panel and how do we, you know, set up the hybrid interviews themselves. And I had, a, you know, a mixture of, of two 50-inch screens, everybody having their own laptop. I had a webcam set up, two portable speakers for the sound. Luckily, touch wood, everything went really smoothly and we managed to interview all the candidates successfully uh, without any glitches. And yeah, it was an amazing day. It was very tiring, but we got there. Oh my gosh. I mean, this alone, the the amount of stuff you just told me what you did, the amount of fact that you did, did it without a glitch, that it was successful. You could write a best-selling book based on just how you did all of that. I mean, because <laughs> again, I mean, I'm in a technology company and half the time we're wondering, you know, the, again, how to make the hybrid experience better because we know that's something that will continue Maybe I'll just, you know, sometime next year I should come over and just, you know, hang out in Parliament and see how you guys do it. Oh, you're more than welcome to come over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Winnie, one of the things you do work on is, as a chair of other administrators, is you do a work with a lot of training with assistants. Is that correct? Yes, I do. So one of my passions, obviously, developing our assistants um, and making sure they're up to speed with what's going on in the outside world. I connect regularly with trainers such as Bonnie Lowe Kramer and Vicky Sokol Evans, who I admire so much. I've done exec sec tech recently, uh, which was so good, you know, being able to connect with different speakers from all over the world. And also, you know, we've had Paul Pennant from today's PA come and do a couple of sessions on Outlook because we don't have that kind of internal kind of PA training available uh, to our assistants. So I see part of my role as being chair is, you know, to bring those external speakers and trainers in to help us as a network. And is there been one or two wonderful gotchas you've gotten from this outside stuff that you just uh, that has really helped you? I mean, uh, I'm coming from the help and how to world. So always great to hear other people's tips. Uh, well, the one recent one, and it's really something so minor. It's the pointer, the mouse pointer and being told how to make it bigger and into a different color ah. working with two screens there are times yeah when you when you can't find your mouse and you're you know you're moving your mouse frantically to try and find it um, so I now have this quite big purple arrow but it means that I can't lose it 
So yeah, that that was one tip that we all went ooh uh, <laughs> when we were told about it. Oh, it's it's totally the small things. I remember uh, years ago, this one guy said, "I think I've built my entire industry on telling people about Format Painter." which is in Word and OneNote and all those things where you have, you know, one bit of formatting you like, you can copy that formatting and kind of brush all your other text that way. It's, again, one of those easy buttons that they have. But no, those those are the things that uh, people love. And especially when it deals with, you know, a lot of times people don't talk about things like pointers because they deal with, they were originally built to be more accessible for people that had low vision problems. But a lot of those tools you know, you can find in Windows and and in Macs, if you look under accessibility, you'll find other tools that can make things bigger or more vibrant that helps everybody, especially as we have this, as we're on screens more often, to have some time that can help you with this fatigue that sometimes you'll have for that. So no, changing your mouse pointer, I've done myself. So um, <laughs> I don't think that's uh, you at all. <laughs> and of course, anytime we talk about Bonnie and Vicky, also friends of remote space. So getting back to this again, some of those day-to-day activities that you and other assistants do, is it possible or have you found any tricks about how to read a room, so to speak, when you're in this hybrid environment or in an online environment? I think it's really difficult because you would usually, you know, pick up on body language if you're in a room with somebody. And obviously at the moment, all you're seeing is a face on a screen and sometimes not everybody puts their video on. So you can't even see, you know, their reactions to a certain comment or if something's being said. So, you know, I've found it really, really difficult in terms of engaging. When I've done the the last couple of network sessions with our admin group, you know, not everybody's comfortable with putting their video on. And I I always say at the beginning, oh, it'll be nice to see you, you know, just for 10 seconds, just to, to see your lovely faces. Um, and then you can turn your, your cameras off afterwards, which most of them do. But, you know, for me, I always put my, my video on because I just, I like people, you know, seeing a friendly face. But when you're talking, you know, being able to see those facial expressions, I think is really important because we, yeah, we don't, we don't have that as much as we did before. Yeah. In most of the means we do the same thing. Some people may have a camera on. I'm like you. I like having, I don't mind having it on and, and seeing people. But yeah, as people come on and to speak, they'll turn them on and then turn them off. And a lot of times it deals with just bandwidth issues and trying to make sure things are smooth. But I think that's one thing that we've kind of learned collectively maybe to do over the last few months. Is there anything that you've been trying to do is, again, you say you thrived on this social aspect of the job. Is there, there been anything that helps in even a small degrees to help substitute that experience for you? So one thing recently that I've done is I've bought my work home with me. I'm a big Lego fan uh, for those uh, that know me well. And I've actually recently moved my Big Ben Lego set so that you can see it in my background on my calls now. And it actually has scaffolding around it as well. I I was doing a a diversity and inclusion project uh, with a colleague from the House of Lords. And I, yeah, I'm I'm usually crazy when I think of ideas, but I rolled with this one. Took me four days, but I, I managed to do it. And I was really, really proud. So I actually have that in my background. And I've got clock face coasters i've i've got mugs that i've collated over the years i've got big ben kind of pictures 
and that's something that I recently um, kind of told the network, oh, you know, if you, if you think this would help just to remind you where you work, then yeah, highly recommend it. You know, even things like a, a records management calendar that I get on a yearly basis, you know, I've brought that home with me so that it's sitting next to my monitor. Unfortunately, they've decided they're not going to do a 2021 calendar, which I'm really, really disappointed about. So it was something I really looked forward to getting in the internal post. But yeah, even, you know, small things like that, they're having to rethink because we don't know how long this is going to go on for, obviously, until we start getting the vaccine. So, yeah, it's just small things like that that have really helped. As dealing with Parliament and the changes here, everything has changed in how Parliament works. Is there anything different in the ceremonial aspect of Parliament that has changed during uh, the time of COVID? In terms of ceremonial stuff, so we still do the Speaker and Lord Speaker's procession at the start of the business when the House is sitting. It's one part that isn't actually being broadcast on Parliament TV. So we have our own TV channel where you can watch the proceedings of both chambers. So it still happens, but it's not televised. And usually the public can see the procession if they stand in central lobby. Uh, So we do welcome visitors to Parliament. Uh, Obviously, we can't at the moment. So we have more than one million visitors to Parliament every year, uh, as well as over 100,000 schoolchildren that come and visit our education centre. So that's, yeah, one ceremonial thing that we still do. But yeah, people don't get to enjoy it. And then as we've been through dealing with these new procedures, do you see something that has come out of this experience that will continue on, let's say, a year from now, after post-vaccine, that, that things are back to quote-unquote normal? Are there procedures that, you, that you'll take away from this that you think will be good to continue? I think for me personally, can't obviously speak on behalf of everybody else, The main thing for me is the work-life balance. And it's certainly something, you know, that we are thinking about following the pandemic. Because for me, yes, you know, and I've already talked to Ian about this. I would like to work from home, say, two days a week. One, to save on travel costs, because it costs me a lot of money each year to travel into central London from where I live. Um, I commute uh, usually three hours a day uh, when I'm working in the office. And just, yeah, having that extra time to myself, although I do not necessarily love the commute, but for me, it's a good time to unwind from the day and get rid of, you know, all the thoughts of work so that when I get home, you know, I'm I'm relaxed and, and don't need to worry about it. And I have found that, you know, when I kind of try and switch off at the end of the day when I'm working from home, it takes me a lot longer Even if I switch my laptop off, you know, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I should have done that or I didn't do that. And that's, you know, what I usually would do on the commute. So I think going forward, yeah, we'll be looking at, you know, our working patterns. And, you know, we've proven as assistants and support staff that we can do our predominant part of our jobs from home. It is just that, you know, human to human contact and those little things like, you know, not being able to get Ian coffee uh, when he's in back-to-back meetings that I, I do actually miss. Uh, and that's one thing that I did yesterday. And the show uh, I've talked about, we've talked about the commute. And again, that that downtime, as you said, was so important. Has there been anything that you've tried to do or that has worked to try to adjust that turning off the computer and trying to get more into personal time? Has there been anything that has worked for you there? 
uh, I always make sure that I have my hours lunch break. So I step away from my laptop and go for a lunchtime walk or just, you know, if I'm watching something on, on Netflix, you know, I, I use that hour to watch an episode or something and obviously eat as well. Because otherwise, yeah, I would end up just working back to back hours and not having any breaks. I am drinking a lot more, uh, which means more loo breaks. <laughs> so that's that, that's always a good thing as well. I won't ask what you're drinking all the time, but uh, I assume uh, something that uh, there might be a new Lego set, though, in your new future, too. Winnie King is the personal assistant to the Director General of the House of Commons. Uh, thank you so much for sharing some time with us on Remote Space, Winnie. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to hear more stories and lessons learned from those working in the remote space.